Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. What middle age are you less than fully satisfied with where you are today in your career or small business, with your finances, relationship, or maybe with life in general? You often feel like something deep down within you is stopping you from success. And what would your life look like right now if you knew uh, what that something was and could switch it off any time you wanted? And perhaps things were going great until only recently when you suffered through a midlife crisis, major illness, death of a loved one, business failure, loss of a cherished job, whatever. In contrast, maybe nothing drastic has occurred. You simply feel like your best years are all behind you. And it's highly unlikely you'll ever reach that corner office where you've lost touch on your long-range career and personal goals. But hey, if present career and personal life prospects aren't all you'd like them to be, isn't it convenient to blame others or circumstances beyond your control? Take some of the pressure off from your uh, from you so you can rationalize and pass the blame for a year falling short. That way you have a built-in excuse for not trying to make things better. <laughs> well, here's a shocker. If you're dissatisfied with your career or personal life, my guest, Dr. Philip Agrios, informs us that you yourself, not anyone else, most likely are the primary roadblock on your pathway to success. And worse yet, so many of us aren't even aware that we are standing in our own way. But here's some good news. Dr. Agrius, uh, Agrius is here to suggest how to identify, then instantly switch off those sabotaging traits presently holding you back. And wouldn't it be wonderful if you could identify personal roadblocks, then once and for all break free. And Dr. Philip Agrios is a sought-after personal and business advisor with over three decades of experience helping patients and clients break uh, free from self-sabotage. He's a renowned speaker and author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, Life's One Law, Nature's Blueprint for Repeatable Success in Life and Business. And he's trained as a chiropractor and functional wellness practitioner who honed his skills helping chronically ill patients identify and, rec- and uncover an antidote for switching off self-sabotaging traits. Hello, Dr. Agrigos. Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, hi there. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'll try to uh, avoid falling into the habit of calling you Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Whatever you want to, that's fine yeah. with me. <laughs> well, <follow laughs> there is another one of those around, I think. Well, following decades of research and experimentation, you have discovered how no matter how the storm, nature manages to bounce back, reset, and evolve every day, month, year, and millennium, as you put it. And you label it nature's blueprint for repeatable success. Can you please summarize how this blueprint works? Yes. Um, basically, I went through seven out of ten most stressful things that could happen to you throughout a few years. I lost my practice. I went through financial ruin after a divorce, as well as 
father and mother dying of brain cancer and other things Ooh, like wow. that. All good, and I lost my practice on top of that because I, I had a disabling uh, condition that I was able to, after four and a half years, overcome. Yeah. But over that time, it's all good because it allowed me to discover what, I, what we're talking about. And yeah. I discovered a blueprint, a six-step blueprint that nature uses yeah. because I discovered actual six seasons, not the four, the <laughs> four that we know and two uh, that are hidden. Yeah, I know that you threw a couple more seasons in there. It makes a lot of sense, though, when you, when you think about it. But Yeah, and then they, as you go through, and as I was realizing going through my own stuff, because, uh, you know, going through these particular tra- tragedies or opportunities, depends on yeah. how you want to look at it, I was able to really hone on it because it forced me to find out what was going on with my life and why I uh, was going through this. And yeah. it realized that uh, these six steps were actually to solve any problem, whether it's in business or personal life. And I just sat back and I went, wow, this is really cool. Wow. Yeah. You, you mentioned the three uh, traits they're uh, the core of our being, and they're also the core of nature's being. What are these three uh, traits that are the core of everyone's being? Well, when I looked at um, when I looked at the um, the blueprint, and I realized that each opposite season, like for example, uh, spring and autumn, when yeah. I put them together, I realized there were two actual opposite actions like spring was growth and autumn was breakdown two opposite things and i looked at it it's like when the body does this and it's enzymes enzymes break things down and they build and when i put it together i realized it created one particular trait and of ours is called the communicator trait and then i looked at the other two and i realized that there were actually just three words the director Mm -hmm. principle the uh supplier uh principle and the director principle all these three um, governed the atoms to the galaxies. And when I looked at it, how they governed us, I used the same words, but they were governed us through our personality traits. And that's yeah. why it's called a director trait, a supplier trait, and a communicator trait. Yeah. And all these three traits are within us. But we also have these, depending on how you sequence them and how you were born and how you utilize them, all one of them is your sabotaging trait. <laughs> and your sabotaging trait is actually essential. You can't get rid of it. It's there in order for you to evolve and grow yeah. or dissolve through fear. And it's your choice whether or not... Yeah, it's, it's like something you can either... It can either be good or bad. It's just there. And it, it can be bad, obviously, if it continues to sabotage you. But uh, if you can uncover and recognize that trait and... Uh, take steps to grow from it, then you can overcome it. That's that's a wonderful message that I picked up from reviewing your material. Yeah, and, and it's what's really interesting was that over thousands of patients, so it took me 27 years to really develop this, and this wasn't like, oh, I had a revelation last Tuesday. <laughs> it's been going through my whole situation, understanding this, and really uh, realizing that when we discovered a person's sabotaging trait, what, that it was actually trying to tell them to slow down and create inefficiencies in your life so that you could really see that there's an imbalance that you need to deal with. And then I realized that there was an actual antidote, the exact opposite 
to its trait. And when mm. I utilized it for myself, the antidote, it actually was impossible for me to actually sabotage myself. And I was like, wait, this can't be this simple. So I went out on, the, on my quest to determine, is this wrong? Uh, not how can I prove it? I was saying, this, gotta, this can't be. This, this is just too simple. And I couldn't disprove it. Over, over time, and every time patients and clients, because I have now, I, I actually changed my, I don't practice any longer, I'm now a, yeah. a personal business advisor, yeah. um, and I have clients worldwide who are business owners and executives, yeah. and then when we utilize that, and they use their sabotage, they use their antidote, they realize instantly that they cannot sabotage themselves and things shift for them, not only in their personal life, and their, as well as their business. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, that, uh, interestingly enough, on your website, uh, sabotagequiz.com, you offer a free short quiz of 10 questions, and I took that to discover my uh, saboteur, <laughs> and it, I'm a communicator saboteur. <laughs> now, uh, what does that mean exactly, and, uh, and what is the antidote uh, that in general that I would need to uh, apply to get over that? I, I just, it's highly unique to me since I like giving speeches and uh, I love recording this program each week. <laughs> right, and so how, did, did it resonate well with you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, somewhat, I, I recognize some of me in the, the Right, because what happens is is that a lot of times we don't recognize it because we're not. I'm not talking about the 85% of the time your life is doing great. We're talking about the 15% that's not doing well. Yeah. So with this, the communicator saboteur sometimes is that uh, have you had times where you don't express yourself as much as you would like to express yourself? Yeah, that's for sure, especially. Right. Uh, so what's really cool, you doing this radio program, you doing what you're doing, you're actually utilizing your antidote without <laughs> yes. you really knowing it. That's a good and that's point. why it's repeatable success. But when, yeah. you're in, when you come into, a, 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 let's say, a group of people, and you're with somebody maybe, and the person's talking, and you probably sit back and listen and analyze because you're kind of uncomfortable, and then maybe later you start talking a little bit. But what's happening is, is you have innately started to utilize your antidote by saying, I need to become more expressive. I need to yeah. open up and communicate more. And then there might be times where you overly communicate sometimes, but you have a hard time disconnecting at times. And yeah. then maybe you have a, a, a spat with somebody, and three days later you kind of then tell them, and they were over it three days ago, but you held on to it. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I, I can often uh, get into, uh, say, an argument with my wife, not that we argue all the time, but, uh, right. you know, and uh, oftentimes I'll cut her off and I'll be so uh, eager to get my point across that I'm not a good listener either. I suppose that's part of the communication as well. You have to be a good listener as well as a uh, Right, exactly. So that's where you will, because you're you're basically that's your way of um, protecting yourself. See, what happens? People don't realize when you get in an argument, whether or not you don't like the person or you love the person, yeah. you're protecting yourself. Because yeah. the only two things we do, we protect or grow. So when you're in that argument, you actually are protecting yourself, and that's why many times we may say certain things that are not, you know, too <laughs> too nice to the other person. And, and that's I always, why we, and by protecting ourselves, we that's why we don't grow, and we we have this preset notion of what's right based on whatever, and uh, because we're always seeking to protect ourselves, we're not really learning anything. Right, and what's really cool is is that I've worked with a lot of uh, uh, business partners together or married couples and all, because imagine knowing your your wife's 
sabotage a trait and antidote. See, what yeah. you're doing is that you are trying to support her in the way you think she needs to be supported, not in the way she really needs to be supported, yeah. which is really how you need to be supported. But if you know her antidote, you'll know exactly why she's reacting the way she is, and then you can use her antidote to support her. And when people do that, they've seen a tremendous neutralization in the whole situation. Well, that's when now you're really you're hearing, moving forward. Now hearing you that you're actually supporting her because you're using her words, yeah. not your words. When you can start understanding another person's antidote and uh, their sabotage, uh, sabotaging uh, trait as well as your own, then you're really ahead of the ball game because then you're really exactly exactly, and that's back. where even business owners knowing their staff, um, you know, you have a staff member uh, that's you you look at them, you're banging your head against the wall, going, oh god, they have so much potential, what's going on? <laughs> well. What I do is when I do my workshops, when they actually know each other's sabotage and trade antidote, now you see this employee become a high-performance employer employee because you help them get past some of their, their past their sabotage and trade and really kick them in into the antidote. Not only will that help them in their business in, the, in, in your business, but it also helps them in their personal life. And oh, I, that's great. An employee that's... being happy at, at home is a much more happier. Employee okay, well, you're through your website, DrAgrios.com, and we can spell uh, D-R-A-G-R-I-O-S.com. You offer a free download called the Gratitude List, and in it you tell us to be grateful and find the benefit of all good and bad things that ever happened to us. And why in the world should we be grateful for bad things? I think I know the answer. but <laughs> <laughs> Because... There's no such thing as bad or good. There's just is. The reason why we put something that's good or bad on it is because of our own perception of our yeah, bad. It's our perception of whether it's good or bad. Exactly. How many times you thought something that was really good didn't turn out as well and vice versa. And when you look at things and you're grateful for something, in the video, it's um, <clears throat> what we do is is that when you are grateful for something, you don't have to forgive because gratitude and forgiveness are the same thing. So if you're grateful yeah. for something, why do you need to forgive it? You don't. So when I went through all these other things, I have no regret because it allowed me to become who I am today. And yeah. if I stay in that regret or be upset or be still angry at people and things like that, I would have never be where I'm at. I would have never discovered what I have, and I would never be talking to you no, and trying so to true. express I, to others. I, I, Exactly the same experience after years of frustration in the business, largely because I didn't recognize my, <laughs> that saboteur that I had in my mind and, and inability to communicate as effectively as I could. I'm now doing something I really enjoy, but I never would have been here if it hadn't been for the past. So it, uh, I can certainly see what you're saying. Well, right, and you can look back and go, hey, the reason why I'm successful is because of my antidote, my communicator antidote, yeah. and that's why it's repeatable. Imagine knowing why you do what you do, and that's why you can have success after success yeah. and stop your failures over and over again because you know why you did what you did. Well, that's great. Let's talk a bit about your brand-new Amazon bestseller, Life's One Law. If there were one message you want a reader to take away from your book, what would it be? I think I know that the life that. is simple. Didn't say it was easy. <laughs> what I discovered that it is just six steps, and then from there, when you really understand and go deeper into the blueprint, and you know your sabotage and trait, and why you react the way you react, 
you can switch off these things over and over again at your will. And again, it works 100% of the time. And when I say 100% of the time, what's the first thing? Run, get away. There's no way there's a thing 100%. But that's why I call life's one law, because it's a law that I discovered, and the law always works. And that's why it took 27 years to really hone in on this and uh, present it to the world um, now compared to 10 years or 20 years ago. And it makes so much sense when you think about it. But any time, like you say, somebody says it's guaranteed that you'll uh, solve any business or personal problem, <laughs> you start to get your uh, hackles up and they're <laughs> very suspicious. But uh, after having uh, previewed the book and everything, I can certainly see why you can succeed by uh, recommending that sabotaging trait and uh, then compensating for it through the uh, antidote, like you say. Well, uh, who should read your book? Is it primarily for leaders of businesses, or uh, can just the average employee down in the ranks also benefit from it? Yes, definitely. From from the top management to the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar company to a business owner, executive sales professional, employee, uh, I've had uh, teenagers, I've had um, 20-year-olds tell me that it's helped them because oh, that's why it says in business and li- in life and business because. Your business and your life are not separate. They're the same. No, that's for sure. <laughs> and people don't realize that. And that's why when I do mentoring on one-on-one, um, and I actually guarantee my results. So when a person sits with me and I go, okay, I can guarantee this and this in your personal and business life, yeah. um, it really helps them to understand that a lot of times, I had a, I had a client one time who was a single mom, two children, and she had a very successful business, but after the uh, few sessions, she was able to realize what she was doing in her personal life, she needed to do in her business and vice versa. <laughs> and once she switched it, there was an immediate reaction. Her relationship with her children improved dramatically. Her relationship with employees and clients, her business grew even more, but she was much more at peace at home because she was torn between the guilt of being a single mom with the kids and all that. And once she realized it, she needed to go within herself and deal with her, then it would then transport to her children. It's the old, uh, in the airplane, where the oxygen mask drops. You yeah. don't put it on your kids first. You've got to yeah. put it on you. If you put it on no. your kids, who's taking care of them as you're passing out? So as you focus on you, and especially with women in business, um, you know, being the super mom and needing to be the super boss and everything else, they put on guilty about pressure. being the super boss and <laughs> neglecting the child or vice versa. Yeah, or that you know they feel so that guilt and they feel that torn, so they can't really yeah. build their business. I had a client one time who was a practitioner, and she had a nine-year-old daughter, and her her practice wasn't doing that great until. When we sat down, she realized that she wasn't grow- going forward because of her child. And yeah. she felt guilty because if she grew her practice, she wouldn't have enough time for her. So when we sat down, we came up with uh, some solutions. And as soon as she felt she realized the solutions, within a year, her practice grew so much that she had to get a new building. But her relationship with her child grew. Yeah, and so she talked to her daughter and explained that, yeah, I have to take time away from you. But, uh, you know, they reached sort of an understanding on that, and then things really thrived. I love that story in your book. 
Yeah, so it's it's uh, really great that you know we have to realize that your outside world is not there because it's trying to hurt you. It's there because you created it. You're yeah. you co-created it. If you don't like your outside world, you have to go within you to change it. It's like the summer. If you don't like your fruit, you have to go in through the seasons, especially winter, and reassess and really visualize what you want your new summer to look like. So you can do anything you want to that outside fruit. You can put, if it's bitter, you can put sugared water in it or whatever. You can <laughs> cut the tree down. But really, you need to go back into the seasons, go back into the steps, find out where you're stuck, and then from there, use the action step. And once you say, okay, I did this step, what do I do next? Go yeah. to the next step. And once you realize that it's from you, how you are vibrating and how you are feeling and thinking is what comes your way to reinforce that vibration that you're emanating from. And if, if for no other reason they should read your book, they can learn two additional seasons, Harvest and Relinquish. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's really those giving and taking and accepting uh, seasons that we really don't look at. Yeah, well, where should we? Where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Where's the best place? To they can go that? to my website. Uh, they can go to sabotagequiz.com. That's sabotagequiz.com. Put it right into the URL. Don't Google search it because there are other, a lot of other quizzes out there. Yeah. But sabotagequiz.com. When they put it in, they'll scroll down a little bit. You'll see the book. They'll click on it, um, and when they um, click on it, they'll go to Amazon to buy it. But because you went to my website, they'll actually get that gratitude this video for free yeah and i also noticed that uh, don't people that take your quiz get an offer of a free 15-minute consultation i noticed yes um for the business owners when they do the business uh, uh solutions and they click on that then they, they can go right to that and uh, they'll get I, I give them a 15-minute free consultation oh, and uh, after they fill out a questionnaire and then we'll sit to see whether or not uh, I'm the right client, uh, I'm the right uh, uh, mentor for them. And if they're the right client, I don't accept everybody as a client. No, that's, that's wise. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done, I did the same thing with patients. So, yeah. you know, I'm... I love I love uh, the title of your of your uh, your show, and if anybody has that thought process, is that you know I at 56 left my practice a year and a half ago, and mm. I'm on an entire new career. So I'm at 57. My entire new career is being a personal business advisor, putting my book out, online courses, doing uh, lectures. So it's never too late. I don't care how old you are. Um, you have the power as long as you feel that within yourself and your thoughts and your feelings come together, that that's how you manifest your life. Yeah, your thoughts it's, it's and so your feelings are constantly negative. Best, you're gonna, your best sorry? years are behind you. It doesn't matter what your age is. <laughs> no, exactly. It's eight. Hey, look at it. You're not old. You're experienced. How do you want to look at that's it? That's a good way to look at it. You know, well, in conclusion, maybe. Uh, but when people when people lose their jobs, I actually say congratulations, and you know I, I wait for them to throw a punch at me. But I'm truly sincere about it because I'm saying that's great because obviously it was not right for you. So now you can do and and, and find a better job like thousands of other people, or stay bitter and uh, be a victim, and now go and not have anything. So yeah, it's your choice, 
and uh, hopefully people on this call will, uh, and listeners will really get that point across that they do really, really have that power, and, it, and you can't do it by yourself. You need other people, and yeah. every, every successful person, and those uh, business owners out there that know it who have uh, advisors and coaches and things like that are very successful because of that. And it's very, my opinion, uh, more difficult to try to see what's going on with you because it's too close. You're too close. Yeah. You have to look at it and have somebody give you a more of an individualized and honest opinion of where you're at. Yeah. Well, in conclusion, today's guest, Dr. Philip Agrios, wrote his book, Life's One Law, to share his discovery so you, too, as so many have done, can understand how simple life is, as he put it, and how you can take advantage of its secrets. If you just uh, identify that uh, sabotaging trait and the antidote, you'll be well on your way to it. And now repeat after me, life is not meant to kill you, frustrate you, or stress you out. However, you must let life challenge you, the good and the bad, because that's the only way to grow. And thanks a million, Dr. Philip Abgros, and uh, continued success with your new book. Well, thank you so much, Roy. You as well. Now for something completely different. Let's turn our attention from retirement to leadership. Most of us at middle age in one form or another presently do, or in the future will perform a leadership role, a corporate executive, middle manager, small business owner, task force leader, or perhaps away from work in your church, community, favorite, volunteer organization, even in your family. After all, you're co-leader of that family along with your spouse, right? And regular listeners may recall that on our June 11th program, entitled You're the Boss, But Are You a Leader? Uh, that was all about leadership and the distinction not so subtle between managing a group of individuals, assigning tasks and monitoring outcome, and actually inspiring them to outstanding results are very different, and uh, at least sometimes they are. And as follow-up to close today's program, I want to introduce you to an outstanding 2017 book titled Top Ten Ways to Be a Great Leader, and I have with me today the book's author, Hans Menzel, and uh, you may recall um, he's been on our program before. He's a successful author, teacher, mentor, speaker, and workshop leader known internationally as the Leadership Answer Man. He has trained leaders on five continents, and he speaks from experience. He recently completed 20 years as president and CEO of the international nonprofit World Venture in his present mission, along with his wife, Donna, is HD Leaders, which offers mentoring, podcasts, videos, and a wealth of resources for leaders of profits and nonprofits. And he's author of a number of books, including the 2007 Leadership Classic, The Top Ten Mistakes Leaders Make. And in his new book, Hans looks at the other side of the coin, The Ten Most Essential Skills Every Leader Should Master. And Hans Finzel has been a prior guest on this program, most recently on May 4, 2015 episode. And hello, Hans, and welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Roy. Great to be with you again after a couple of years. Yeah. Well, let's begin with your book structure. As you note, the word leadership has 10 uh, letters, and your book uh, has 10 chapters. That's not a coincidence, is it? 
Well, I love top ten lists. As you mentioned, my uh, bestseller a, a decade ago was uh, Top Ten Mistakes Leaders Make. Yeah, I love top ten lists. And I, when I realized uh, the, the word leadership has ten letters, I thought it was just begging to be the outline for the book. <laughs> so I thought, well, can I, can I make this work? Can I come up with a, a core leadership principle for each of the ten letters and I did, so I was pretty excited about being able to pull that off. Can you briefly give us the title of each of these chapters and kind of give oh. people a feeling for what the... <laughs> sure, of course. Uh, now, by the way, the L in leadership, I always say, uh, stands for the two most important words in a leader's vocabulary. And if you're listening and you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, I'm not a leader. Well, I define leader as influence. So anybody that influences anyone else, in your world, you're leading them. It could be a parent, a grandparent. Uh, my wife and I are grandparents to ten little kiddos, and wow. what a great what a great role of leadership that is. And actually, these leadership principles apply whether again whether it's at the home or at work or in your community or your church. Yeah. So the L in leadership stands for listen and learn. Yeah. Those are the two most important words in any leader's vocabulary, and listen sure. and learn. And when I hear people complain about a bad boss, often yeah. I hear them say they just won't listen. You know, they think they know everything. Yeah, and by the way, Roy, great, in the first chapter you had a great uh, story about this uh, young leader, and I think it was in Colorado that uh, the, he was on a team there, and uh, the boss from the east came out to uh, – deal with some issues and uh, <laughs> tell us why that guy was such a miserable failure at, at what he came out to do. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Uh, he flew all the way. It was actually Southern California, but oh. he worked for a big company. He flew out. to. They were having problems in their company out there, so yeah. the big boss flew out to meet with all the people, and, uh, you know, they – they told him all the reasons why things weren't working well, and all he did is make excuses, blame them, and not listen. And yeah. so when he when he left, everybody looked at each other and said, boy, that guy just wasted his money coming out here. And they felt completely demoralized. Cause, yeah, that greatly you know, inspired they knew the team, the, of course. <laughs> and oftentimes the people, not often, I would say always, the people on the front lines, yeah. whether it's you're dealing with customers or whatever, uh, they know the most about why things are working or why things are not it's working. So and the bosses need to listen to those people on the front line. Yeah. And you can't learn if you don't listen. No, that's and for it, sure. You know, because it takes listening to learn something new. And that boss uh, was one of these people who just uh, justifies themselves, makes excuses, <laughs> refuses to admit they don't know, and refuse to admit that they're wrong. Yeah, like the smart boss says, I want people working for me who are smarter than I am, and that certainly implies uh, applies to the details of the uh, day-to-day operation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I always uh, surround myself with people who are strong where I am weak. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best that's kind of team, also. but... Well, but I know a lot of bosses that are not that way. They're threatened by people that are um, gifted around them. Yeah. So that's the L. The E in leadership stands for emotional intelligence. 
The A, accessibility. The D, determination. The E, effective communication. The R, resilience. S, servant attitude. H, hands-off delegation. I, integrity. And P is the power of humility. And we can go back and touch whichever one of those you want to, but that's the, that's the outline of the book. And when yeah, I wrote this book, Roy, I was just thinking, all right, I've been in leadership 30 years. This is my 10th book. Mm. What if I and, I and I asked myself the question, you know, what are the 10 essential skills that are the most important things that a leader needs to focus on? You know, leadership is complicated. There's no simple keys. There's no one solution. Yeah. But these are what I call the 10 essential skills that if a person in leadership works on these, they're going to be a good leader. Yeah, that, that certainly sums it up. Well, without doubt, an effective leader must be open to uh, truly listening and learning. But at some point uh, in Chapter 5, as you point out, leaders also need to be able to get their point across. Can you please give us a couple of the six skills a leader needs to communicate effectively? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I always say don't don't assume anybody knows anything. And, and oftentimes <laughs> leaders think people know stuff yeah. and that they learn it somehow through osmosis. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. They don't learn it through osmosis. They um, they learn it by being clear. So you were asking uh, what are some of the things that are the most important thing to communicate well. And I would say the first is the big vision. I call it the big, hairy vision, but leaders take people to places they would never go themselves. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by casting vision. Hey, here's where – and a leader needs to have the big picture about where are we going. And that's one of the biggest questions, Roy, that I hear followers ask or complain about. I have no clue where we're going. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And sometimes the corporate mission statement is so anemic. You know, it was maybe developed 15 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, right. Just because you have a fancy mission statement doesn't mean there's a clear vision. Yeah, it's also often a bunch of BS anyway. (laughs) Yeah. My experience well, the interesting question, here's an interesting question. You um, talk about vision, and yet you say that uh, today's effective leaders uh, lead with vulnerability. How can you both have a uh, clear mission statement and yet appear vulnerable? What, what do you mean by vulnerability? But, uh, oh, vulnerability is uh, really being willing to admit you're not perfect. Oh, okay. That's what vulnerability is. And, uh <laughs> In other words, a lot of leaders pretend to be perfect or, or try to cast. Um, they don't want any cracks in their armor. They don't want people to see any weaknesses in them. No. But that's not good leadership. Actually, yeah. good leadership is the opposite. Like, I've, I know I've had to sometimes get stand up in front of my people and say I was wrong. Yeah. You know, oh, I had to, sure. I had a, a I had a group of people working for me that. They were like they became like a rebel outpost. They were just really against my leadership, and we hmm. started having these emails go back and forth. And have you ever tried to resolve conflict through email? No, that's that's <laughs> one of the weaknesses of the modern era. You can't do it because you need you don't have any of that nonverbal communication. And I had to eventually. Things became very heated between me, the boss, and this team of people who were upset at my some of the things I was doing in my leadership. And finally, I had to get together with them face-to-face 
I realized email wasn't going to work, and I uh, I had to ask their forgiveness. I said, you know what? I said some things in my emails that I should not have. Forgive me. That's vulnerability. And you know what? It healed our relationship, and it fixed the problem. Once I was vulnerable, and, it, and you know, if you dig yourself in with pride, yeah. it just gets worse. But if yeah, you're, well, that that um, leads right into the next question. Chapter seven: You call for servant uh, leadership, and can you briefly define the concept of servant leadership and contrast it from uh, slave leadership? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I love the topic of servant leadership, and here's my definition: When the leader cares more about the good of the team than his or her own enrichment. Amen. Yeah, so I, I noticed many, in one of your uh, videos on your website, you talk about Jesus as, uh, in the upper room as an excellent example of the uh, servant leadership when he bathed his disciples' feet and told them to do the same for others. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, he was had the right to be a dictator. It was Jesus. Uh, uh, If anybody ever had the right to be a top-down, you know, but he he washed the disciples' feet, and he said, you should go do the same. And what he meant was, everybody else is as valuable as I am. I might be the boss, but that doesn't mean I'm the most important person in the room. I like to use the analogy of football. We we had this great quarterback here in Colorado, uh, Peyton Manning, And even if you don't like the Broncos, everybody loves Peyton Manning across the country because he he was a true servant leader. Even though he was a quarterback, he knew he could not make one single score without the entire team. And he treated every member of the team with tremendous value. And that's servant leadership. Yeah. You know, you're not in it for yourself. You're in it for the team. It's it's making the conversion from me to we. It's not about me. It's about we. Yeah. That's so true. Well, let's yeah. uh, talk a bit about your book, Top Ten Ways to Be a Great Leader. Is that written primarily for new managers that are recently promoted, or can experienced managers and executives also benefit? I think I know the answer to that. Oh, of course. It's for everybody. Uh, it really is for brand-new leaders or people who have been leaders for 30 years like I have. And, by the also, way, as you uh, Roy, point out, somebody who aspires to be a leader, or you can certainly lead as you say, influence people positively that uh, you work with, even if you're not the, uh, formally the, the you know, boss. I, I've, I've had a lot of people reach out to me uh, through my website, by the way. It's HansTinsel.com. Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of people that are not leaders that like to read my books because they aspire someday that they might become a leader. Yeah. And they're, like, preparing themselves. So, yeah, it's for aspiring leaders or people who've been at it for a long time. And where, where's the best place for a listener to go to preview and purchase your book, Top Ten Ways to Be a Great Leader? Well, of course, the great Amazon is usually the easiest. <laughs> <laughs> that company that's gobbling up the world, you know. Uh, Amazon, and by the way, Roy, it is available in hardback. Oh. It's available in Kindle and also an audio book. I have oh, written, I, have, I read the book. You can listen to it in five hours at audible.com. Uh. Well, so it's available in audio, uh, Kindle, or hardback at Amazon. And really, the best place to get the book is probably Amazon or wherever you like to buy books online. And then um, my website is hansfinzel.com. And that's and I have H-A-N-S-F-I-N-Z-E-L. 
Yep, HansFinzel.com. I have a lot of free training videos on there. Yeah, and, I um, highly recommend that because I, I went yeah. through your video or your website, and it's got a ton of information there. Well, just uh, to get us, get us inspired in writing your latest book, what was your passion? I like that statement that uh, showed up. Well, my passion is to help good leaders become great leaders. Anything I can, because the world is filled with, a lot of terrible managers and terrible <laughs> leaders, sadly. You and my action <laughs> is to help fix that problem. Yeah. If I can help a good leader be a great leader, or if I can help a leader who has a blind spot uh, get over that blind spot, uh, then then that's my passion. Well, in conclusion, whether you're a C-level executive, small business owner, first-line supervisor, or whatever type of leader, your most important task is to inspire greatness in ways large and small, those individuals working with and for you. And like we said before, maybe your leadership role is outside your career or place of work. But in any event, the designation leader in no way automatically qualifies you to be an effective leader. And whether new or established in a leadership role or merely inspiring for one, I highly recommend you preview and consider purchasing Hans Finzel's latest book, Top Ten Ways to Be an Effective Leader. And as an editorial view points out, Hans's book shows the characteristics that real leaders possess. I love that term. And thanks a million, Hans Finzel, for this wonderful resource. You're very welcome, Roy. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your program. And to all of you out there, leave a legacy where you work and play, because it's a legacy for good, and it's so important that we all do that in our middle age. And goodbye for now, for middle age can be your best age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 